Welcome to the Community Fellowship Podcast, your way to stay connected with biblically-themed messages, discussions, and interviews from Community Fellowship in East Bernard, Texas. Learn more about our church at the cfeb.church website, check us out on social media at CF East Bernard, or attend an in-person service at 635 Main Street in East Bernard. We are a local church that works to make the love of Christ for all humanity known to our community and the world. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this week's content. Today, we're going to go back to Mark, as we're going to do for a long time this year. (laughs) Uh, But before we go to Mark... I want to use a couple of other scriptures to lay a foundation, and I hope that you'll see as we go through it why we're starting elsewhere. I think these scriptures, and yes, please, if you have a Bible with you, turn to these. I think you'll find that helpful. If you don't, then hopefully what you see on the screen will be, uh, be satisfactory for you. We want to start at the beginning. We're going to start at Genesis 1-1 today. The first three verses of the Bible say, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And Jesus, God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Now, If you're working from your own Bible, put a finger there and turn over the first chapter of John. And I want us to look at the similarities between Genesis 1 and John 1. We're going to read the first five verses there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. He, in Him, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So, Do you see what John was doing there when he wrote his gospel? He took us back to the beginning and showed us that Jesus was there. Not just that he was there, he was an integral part of creation. Everything that was created was created through him. We find from John that Jesus is the Word of God. In fact, let's go to, let's, if you're looking at your own Bible, just scan down to verse 14, because verse 14 makes this even clearer. Verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
So very clearly John is telling us Jesus is the Word of God in flesh, in human form. Doesn't get any plainer than that. So now we're going to go to Mark. But as we go to Mark, I want you to remember these four things from those passages we just read. And they're going to be up on the, on the uh, board here. Verse 1, Jesus is, was, and always will be the Word of God. Verse 2, Jesus was there at the beginning. Verse 3, all things were created through him. And verse 4, life originated and still originates in him. So now for today's message. Today's mes uh, message from Mark is long. It's actually four different stories kind of put together. They all occur in the same day, so it's no wonder that Mark reports them all in successive order. So bear with us. Let's read through, try to pick out the four different things that are occurring here. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Has you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching? And with authority, he even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. And I'm just going to insert a note here. For those who don't know, Simon is Peter. Simon and Peter are one and the same. Okay, So when you see Simon in, in Mark's gospel, that's Peter. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. And they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Bam! Jesus teaches with amazing authority. Bam! He casts out a demon in the midst of the church service with a simple voice command. Bam! He banishes a fever and restores a woman to her full energy. And bam! He spends all evening and all most of the night probably, healing the sick and casting out demons. All of this on a Sabbath day. 
when you're not supposed to work. Interesting. I know how drained I am after just standing up here and giving a sermon on Sunday morning. I can't imagine what it would have been like after a day like that. But this is Jesus, right? I suspect Jesus was not drained by that day. I suspect he was energized by it. After all, this is what he came for. And he was finally getting to do what he came for. He starts the day by going to the local synagogue service in Capernaum where he was. He was more than likely invited to teach. You don't just show up at a Jewish synagogue and say, hey, I'm going to teach today. His notoriety had already come to Capernaum before him. And so they were more, the, the leaders of the synagogue probably invited him to stand up, read the word of God, and teach. He teaches, and the people are amazed. Amazed. And the Greek word translated amazed here actually is bigger than just amazed captures. It actually denotes some fear. They were fearfully amazed by Jesus' teaching. They were likely quaking in their sandals as they listened to the author himself read and expound upon his own words. Mark tells us they were amazed because he taught with authority rather than as the teachers of the law. Picture in your mind that word authority. What word is in that word? It's author. It's author. Jesus himself, the author. I'm hoping you hearken back to those verses we read about in the beginning, and we learn about Jesus being there from the beginning, being the word of God, God speaking things into being, Jesus being that word, thereby the author and giver of life, the word of God made flesh. I think I would quake in fear and amazement also. And they were comparing him to their teachers of the law. Their teachers of the law were constrained from sharing their own views. They couldn't do that. That was not allowed. What was allowed was for them to teach from the Talmud or some very noted rabbi's understanding of the law. So they couldn't stand up here like Jesus did and just speak from their hearts. They were constantly quoting. That's kind of the contrast there. The interesting thing is that the Talmud and a lot of these rabbinical teachings departed from the essence of God's word. They added layers to, and in some cases, 
even sort of struck words out. And to give you an example, there was a rule called Corban. Corban, and I'm, I have no idea whether I'm saying that right, C-O-R-B-A-N. We'll, we'll see it in chapter 7 of Mark when we get there. Corban was that rule of the priest that allowed folks who... Okay, let me give... The basic law behind Corban is that we are to honor our father and mothers. Part of doing that is helping provide for them in their old age. Corban said, you can take the money or property that you've set aside to provide for your mother and father, and you can give that to the priests. And that nullifies your having to honor your father and mother. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? But that was the rule. That's an example of the sorts of ways the teachers of the law, the, the priesthood, thwarted the law. Shame on them. Shame on them. But wait, do we not do that ourselves today? Do we not take the Bible and tear pages out because we don't want them to apply to us or because we might be deemed radical if we did what that page said? Or we might take and scratch some things out and rewrite it the way we want. We do that. Entire churches do that. Entire congregations do that. Our culture does that. And rather than admitting that we don't believe the Bible, we still claim we believe the Bible. It's just not the whole Bible. By the way, this is not a Bible. <laughs> So don't go spreading around East Bernard. The preacher down there at Community Fellowship tears Bibles up on Sunday morning. <laughs> That's a, that book cost me $2 right back here in the uh, Emporium. <laughs> Folks, Jesus is the Word made flesh. He is the author of life. He speaks only truth. His Word is truth. The Bible is God's Word. In a sense, this is Jesus. We are not given the option of picking and choosing what parts of Jesus we're going to follow. That's really inconvenient because there's some really hard stuff in there. Things that we would rather ignore. These folks were quaking in their sandal because they were hearing the unadulterated truth from the unadulterated author of that truth. And not surprisingly, that truth woke up a demon sitting in the back of the church. And that demon spoke up. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? 
Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And he was right about all of that. Yes, Jesus had come to destroy them. And yes, he was the Holy One of God. So let's talk about demons. This is an example of pages in the scripture that we, and in sometimes entire churches, rip out. Because these folks, I mean, they don't understand science, they don't understand illness, they're backward, uneducated, you know. These were just illnesses, maybe mental illnesses, not demon possessions, right? Well, Mark doesn't give us that option. Mark distinguishes between Jesus healing sick people and Jesus casting out demons. And what mentally ill person knows more about Jesus than Jesus' own disciples? This is a truly demon-possessed man. And it is the demon in him, because he comes from the spirit world, that truly knows who Jesus is in ways that even the disciples have not yet discovered. So, demons are real. Now, interestingly enough, you go back in the Old Testament, you find very little about demon possession. You come to the New Testament, beyond the Gospels, you find very little about demon possession. Where do you find it? You find it in the Gospels. Now, what did we learn last Sunday? Jesus' life here on earth is a focal point of all human history. We mark time before it and time after it. We look at that as the point in history that changes everything. It is also the point in history where Jesus came to defeat the demonic world, the powers of darkness over mankind. So when in history, if you were a demon, would you be most active? At that time. So it shouldn't be surprising to us the sort of demon activity that we see reported in the Gospels because it was all happening because of Jesus coming down to earth to defeat them. Nothing gets your attention in church like a good old demon thrashing. All Jesus had to do was speak and he was gone. Having stoked the people and the demon world with the power and authority of God's word, Jesus heads out to Peter's Home. His home is just like a city block, an East Bernard city block away from the synagogue. Patsy and I have been to the remains of that synagogue, and we've walked from there to close, fairly close to Peter's house. You can't get particularly close because, of course, you could imagine how protected they are, that area. In fact, there is a, there is a Catholic, I'm going to call it a spaceship, built on stilts over top 
of Peter's house. It literally looks like a spaceship. It's round and has a glass dome in the middle of it where you can go and look down into Peter's house. Of course, there's no roof on it, right? These are just part walls of what they believe was Peter's house. So it's walking distance. It's like leaving here, going around the corner to a neighboring church over there. It was that, that close. And when he gets there, you know, after the morning of preaching and thrashing demons, you'd think he'd just probably just plop down on the couch and have a, you know, have a soda and, and, and a nap. That's what I do. <laughs> I don't have a soda. I just have a nap. But no, he learns that Peter's mother-in-law is in bed with a fever, so he goes immediately, grabs her hand, lifts her up, doesn't have to speak a word to her. Without even words, she is healed. She gets up and starts waiting on them. Now, please do not take this to be, men particularly, don't take this to be a testimony to what a woman's place is. (laughs) That's not what this is about. This is about a woman wanting to provide for the people who are in a household in which she is probably, being the eldest woman in that household, she's probably in charge. So she's honoring her guests, and thank God she gets as is well because the whole town is coming there <laughs> later. News of the happenings that morning and what had happened at Peter's house traveled around Capernaum faster than news of the Bramorettes going to state softball championship. And Capernaum was likely, believe it or not, about the size of East Bernard. It wasn't a huge community at that time, and it would have been a close-knit community. You know, news travels fast in East Bernard, doesn't it? Interestingly, as the people got the news and they thought about, hey, let's, let's get Jesus to heal Brother Johnny or, or thrash a demon out of Sister Anne, they sat and waited. They waited until evening. They didn't go immediately. You see in Scripture, they all show up after the sun goes down. Now, why is that? Anybody know why that is? This is a Sabbath day. Even though Jesus had essentially broken the Sabbath day by healing, they weren't going to break the Sabbath day. And yet, they were going to go to the guy who did break the Sabbath day and get him to heal their loved ones. But they were going to wait until after the sun went down because the Jewish day went from sundown to sundown, not from midnight to midnight like our day. So as soon as the sun goes down, you're starting a new day. So it wasn't the Sabbath day anymore once the sun went down. We'll cover a little more on that next Sunday. Interesting, though, Jesus doesn't particularly care that they waited and inconvenienced the entire household at night, bringing all these folks. There's no telling how long 
he and that household were busy and in, 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 in about the business of ministry to these folks. On that day, Jesus clearly demonstrated himself to be the authority over all things and the author himself. In fact, the one who both is God's immutable word and the proclaimer of God's immutable word. He has shown himself to be truth with power and authority. As such, he deserves our attention. We, too, should be quaking in our shoes as we consider the ways we have casually set aside the truths of his word. In some cases, ripping them out of the Bible, so to speak. May we come to a place of fearful amazement and fearful reverence for Jesus, God's word made flesh. He still dwells among us in the form of the Holy Spirit and in the form of the written word of God. He is truth. His word is truth. His word is authoritative as is he. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your forgiveness for the many ways that we shortcut, redact, rewrite, ignore the truths of your word. We ask that you would help us to repent from those actions, recognize the truth, act on that truth, live that truth, as Jesus himself did. It is in his holy name and for his sake that we pray. Amen. If you have questions about this week's message or would like to start a conversation with someone about what it means to walk with Christ, please email pastor at cfeb.church. You can find earlier episodes of our podcast on our website at cfeb.church, where you can also give online to help support community fellowship in our mission to reflect and share Christ's love. We can also be found on many major distribution platforms like Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe to stay connected. Thank you again for listening. Now go out and love one another like Jesus did.